You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. My name is Chris Spangle, live and on location in a real radio station. I'm visiting my friend Rob Kendall up high atop the, uh, the, the this, this is a beautiful space i don't deserve it i know rob uh but (laughs) many of our listeners agree it's really a a pleasure to be up here and to be in a real radio studio i I, you know i'm not usually in radio stations well you you usually do on location right like we've literally broadcast in tad western's basement before (laughs) the last time you were on we were at tad western's house and he was feeding his dog pepperonis (laughs) and then it started farting and we were like we got to get out of here but it was great because it was during the kavanaugh hearings when all the democrats were going crazy so we said oh kamala harris calm down <laughs> uh so uh, rob is one of my favorite republicans uh, one of the few that will still talk to me uh he actually just had me you you're always very polite and invite me on your show as yeah. well Wh- for the listeners where they can follow you where can they listen all that stuff well, you'll be on the uh december 23rd edition of the rob kendall show uh, about 105 to 130 okay wibc 93.1 we'll podcast it up there find me on twitter at at rob m kendall cool and he'll send me a podcast i'll put it up for the patrons uh but rob you you love donald trump right you're like I'm a fan. You call him daddy. Yeah, I'm a fan. Right. You you actually interviewed him. It's in our feed. You were yeah. nice enough. We have an interview with Donald Trump in the feed. You can go back and listen. Very fair. Interview interviews. A <laughs> uh, uh, strong word. <laughs> it was, I, I sat down. And I said, "Can we hug it out before or after we start this thing?" <laughs> and by hug it out, you meant a mouth hug. <laughs> it was really a something else. My favorite memory of the 2016 <laughs> campaign is we're at the Trump rally. Greg and I got passes to the Trump rally. So to Rob, because he works for a, legi- a legitimate local political news outlet, uh, but they let We Are Libertarians have them for some reason. And we're in the press pit, and I'm sitting next, I'm sitting on my right, uh, on my right is Brian Howie, who is the most respected political journalist in the state. Yeah, uh, He writes the Howie Political, Howie Political Report? Yeah, Howie, yeah. Politi- Howie Politics. Yeah. Howie Politics, Indiana. He's like the politico of the state of Indiana. And on my left is Rob Kendall in a Make America Great Again hat. <laughs> Big red hat. And when Donald Trump says, look at those guys in the back there, they all turn around and they all like, it's always a joke when he does it. Like the crowd is right. really, like the media, Jim Acosta couldn't be, he's just beside himself. Yeah, sure. It's part of the bit. Right. It's like going to a concert. It, exactly right. You want to hear Freebird. Yeah. But when you're actually there in the pit, people turn around, they have a big smile on their face, they're having fun with it, they're like, yeah, boo! You know, none, and none of it's actually right. dangerous. Uh, but then, you know, so they turn around to laugh, and then they see you, <laughs> and the cognitive dissonance of the crowd, I'll never forget their faces. Like, it's like, you've never seen a few hundred people just go apoplectic, and they go, I don't know how to process this, because they're the enemy, but there's one in a hat. Yeah. Yeah, and Brian Howie was very upset that I was there, by the way. He was, I think he was appalled. 
I frankly would not have worn the hat, you know, as much as I am a partisan opinion journalist. I do have a strong sense. I came up through yeah. journalism. I came up through being a reporter. So I do have that kind of sensibility of you act with the decorum, you act sure. certain ways. You're supposed to at least pretend not to be biased. Like mm-hmm. we all know that the local star reporters a flaming Democrat. And now that Trump's getting impeached. You were very upset that I wore that hat that day. I was I was. I was not upset. I was disappointed. Yeah, because because Greg thought it was hilarious. Of course, right. Now, part of the deal with that, I haven't told people this, you know, I was working for Stutzman at the right. time. Oh, right, right, And, right. Uh, you know, I didn't want to go knock on doors, and the Trump rally was there. And part <laughs> of the deal was they said, you can go to the rally if you wear the T-shirt because it'll be like free advertising. So, you know, I got the media pass through WRC. So I might as well wear the hat and try to do a little association and... Uh, God, that was a great time. <laughs> it was a great time. Well, I think for me, I'm I'm a big believer in norms, and I do think that there are like norms do have a place in society because without norms, without things like common law, for instance, then we have to have a legislator passing laws. Uh, you know, pe- or we don't have to. I think that's what happens. So I like to preserve norms. I'm I'm a conservative yep. person by nature. Mm-hmm. You you just didn't give a shit. Well, part of the deal is, and it's so funny, I get these emails and things on Twitter from people all the time going, I don't know what's real and what's not. <laughs> and I feel like I'm almost like the Andy Kaufman or, or, or Colbert of, of Indiana right. politics. Part of it is I, I, I do like a lot of the stuff Trump stands for, but I also love the fact that people from both sides hate him. Yeah. People I utterly despise who are why we're in the shape we're in. You know, Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi are two sides of the same coin. Right. You know, one might approve better judges than the other, but neither one actually gives a damn about you. But the Max Boots and the Steve Schmitz of the world, it's like he's 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 done a great job exposing those kind of people. I love the chaos that he creates. I I about had an orgasm the other day during that (laughs) that press conference with Pelosi and Schumer because these people deserve cast. They don't give a damn about you. You you think Todd Young gives two craps about you. You're mistaken. Yeah, he's our senator here in Indiana. You think Mike Braun, who's the guy who just got elected. There's no difference between him and Donnelly. I voted for Braun because Braun will vote for the judges, but Braun's not going to make any difference. These people don't care about you. Harry Reid was a glorified member of the mafia. He could have been on The Sopranos. (laughs) That's why these guys, Chris, you know this, they go in broke and they come out millionaires. Yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons I, Andy Kaufman has always been my hero. That's one of the things that I, I love Borat. I love Sasha Baron Cohen. I love Andy Kaufman. I love when people can't tell what's real and what's not. I'm always very, like, I, I, I never say things that are untrue, but I do like to yeah. confuse people. And it, and that's one of the reasons that I love watching you. You torture the local Republicans because you are constantly... Um, it's it's honestly not smart. You are constantly beating up on local Republicans or other Republicans. You love you 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 don't do that to Trump, but you do do it to like the governor, for instance. <laughs> high tax Holcomb. High high tax Holcomb, and and you know here's a guy that I, I mean has appointed has helped appoint libertarians to commissions like Mark Rutherford's on a board because of Eric Holcomb. Uh, it's so he is libertarian friendly. So I sometimes go, ah, I don't want to be mean to the guy that actually like has taken libertarian seriously um and, and as a local talk radio show host why do you think that's a smart career move 
Well, I'm in it for the folks, right? Right. Like, I'm not in it. I was an elected Republican. I've already done that. I would as soon as shoot myself in the face, (laughs) you know, as hang out with those people again. Like, I found it laborious and boring and awful and fake. I worked for Mike Pence. I also found that laborious and boring and awful and fake. (laughs) And I've got a lot of great stories that are just waiting to come out at some point about what it's like to be around those people. Look, Eric Holcomb has raised taxes 46 times in two years. I didn't make him do that. He did it himself. Right. Republican supermajorities in our House and legislature, legislature, they're lazy. They're lazy and they're buying votes. Instead of doing what's right, they're lazy and they're buying votes. And I'm not going to stand for that. Look, I ran as a Republican. I, I won as a Republican. But I've always been a split-ticket voter. I voted for many, many libertarians over the years. Never a Democrat. Other, I guess I did vote in the 28, uh, 2008 uh, Democrat primary. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, for various uh, reasons. Yeah, uh, Operation Chaos. <laughs> but right. but, but – uh, I've always been a split ticket voter and the person that I think is best for the office and Republicans are pathological liars, just like the Democrats. Sure. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it is, it is, it is always fun to see you hold them accountable. And I, and uh, I should point that out reason. that in elected office, I did all this stuff before Trump was around. Like right. it's not a, I wasn't a character in elected office. I took on local school boards. I took on local governments. I took on the County government. I said all the offensive things. Uh, it's not new for me. It's what's right. We're here to do what's right, whether you have an R or a D or an L next to your name. And most of these people don't do that. Yeah, it's very much self-serving. It, it is it is about – when I was executive director, so for those of you who are new to the show, I traveled around the state in, from 2008 to 2012 as the only paid – organizer for the Libertarian Party of Indiana. Oh, I was making like $23,000 a year, let me tell you, during an economic crisis, no less. Um, You know, the the reality is that every county that I went to, and there's 92, and I I would say that I probably visited 75 of them, there is a $100 million project in every single county, in, in, in a city or a county, that some person wants to put up because they're getting some sort of kickback, they know the construction guy, or they're going to get to put their name on the building. And libertarians were very effective in that period by showing up to those county council or city council meetings with a with a camera. Yeah. And the second you set up a tripod and put up a camera and start filming your county council, because they don't expect anybody to watch, they'll immediately come over and you go, what are you doing with that? Well, I'm putting it on YouTube. Well, you're not allowed to do that. Who the hell says I can't? <laughs> and I, I really, I, I've been thinking a lot lately because you and I are in the same business. Um, we are both uh, talk radio show hosts. You're you're on the air. I'm on online here. Um, but you get to hang out with Tom G, which is pretty cool. Well, yeah, my day job, uh, I get to work in um, talk radio there as well. But it's a different animal. It's not political at all. But um but there is some it's a comedy show and when you're I've seen comedy change over the last 5 years I've I've seen the way that the timeline of the show that I work for we only follow comedians I've seen that timeline go from jokes and promoting stand up specials to anti Trump you know comedy has just become a leftist political rant and Ben Shapiro says it's clapter <laughs> you, 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 they're they're clapping and going, <laughs> but there's more clapping because they made a point instead of a joke. Right. Um, but I look at like the deplatforming and all these various people who are losing like their Patreon accounts, and you know, as a person who relies on Patreon to pay the bills for We Are Libertarians, you sit there and go, "Do I want to get successful with this?" Yep. 
because as a person on the right, which I consider libertarians to be on the right, if I get too successful, I get to lose my job, lose my insurance, lose my ability to make a living, lose my voice, lose all these various things. And really, at the end of the day, is it worth it? And so I, I wonder if you think about that, too. If you think about, wow, if I get successful with this, you know, not that we're not successful, but we're not at a place where people are really paying attention right. on a grand scale, like a like a Gavin McInnes or sure. a, an, an Alex Jones or, you know, even a Glenn Beck or whatever. But, I mean, where do you see the future of political talk going? It's really interesting. I want to tell you just a quick story. Um, I had a conversation, because I used to be a... I was when I got elected in 2012. I was a firm believer in what I believed, but I also believed in the idea of the political superhero, right? Like that people were as they were presented, right? And for me, that guy was Mike Pence. Right. Like I was a firm believer. I was still the Rob Kendall that I am today, but I was a firm believer. I worked for Mike Pence. I believed that he was a you know just a great guy, and he was going to be this tremendous governor that was going to really transform Indiana. I mean, I remember first time I ever met Mike Pence when they asked me to work for him, I straight up asked him, I said, are you doing this to be president? Are you doing this because you want to be governor? And he said, my heart's in Indiana. And, I, you know, I believed him. You know, really? Mike Pence is a very convincing dude. Because we didn't. Well, I know. I don't believe the myths. You know well, what I mean? And, yeah. and, that, and that's it's a it's a growing experience, right? Because you got to remember, I wasn't involved in politics until I ran for public office. Right. I'm literally Mr. Smith goes to town council. Right. I'm pissed off about what's going on in my town. I'm seeing my town crumbling before my eyes. We're on the verge of becoming a tumbleweed town. Our finances are out of control. I'm going to fix it. So that's why I ran. I didn't know the people. I didn't know the players. You were a sports broadcaster. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I I went in believing, you know, I was a, a Mike Pence fanboy. And you very quickly realize, because I went to work for the Indiana State Auditor, and then I did such a good job that actually Mike Pence promoted me to be the director for the Indiana Board of Pharmacy. But you quickly realize that. Let's pause there. Yeah. You were a sports broadcaster put in charge of the, the Indiana Pharmacy Board or whatever. Patronage yeah. is is exactly what it's all about, right? Is well, that, part of it was— You volunteered on the campaign, so we need to get you a job. No, I think part of it—because I went to work for the for Suzanne Crouch for, for a while and did a good job there, and they were looking for a reformer. They said— Gotcha. And the thing you found with the Pence administration is there were two factions of Pence people. It's really interesting. There were Pence people who believed Pence was a god. Right. right, like he's going to be the savior that walks on water. He's a president in in waiting. We'll protect him at all costs. And then there were Pence people, many of them Daniels people left over, who were like, "We're there to storm the Bastille. We're there to reform government. We believe in this bullcrap this guy's saying on the campaign. Or we actually believe it, right?" Mm-hmm. And those are the people that hired me because they said, "Look, this guy's done a great job on town council. We want him to reform this board. We want him to come in here and make changes and get." get things working for Hoosiers. And while I was there, applications were up 11%. Licenses were up six. It was, we did a good job, but you quickly realize the purpose of government is for the, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat is for the hamster to stay on the wheel because everybody gets paid and everybody gets rich. If the hamster stays on the wheel, as long as the wheel keeps turning, that's how it works. Right. And there were things I would fight with my bosses on a regular basis where I would say, look, this is stupid why you're doing it this way. This doesn't, this doesn't work. You, you know this isn't efficient. You know this doesn't work. No, this is the way we do it. And that's the response you get. No, this is, this is the way we do it. And after a year of doing it, you just say, I can't, I can't keep taking a check for this. I mean, I've done the best I can do, but I'm not here to be a, go- a government worker. But while I was in government, 
There was a bill that was very harmful to the town of Brownsburg and several communities. Avon was one. Uh, Greencastle was one. And that was represented by a guy named Pete Miller. And we were really adamant that this bill not not go forward because it was going to be incredibly harmful. And so I went to Pete Miller one time. And it was, it was beating him up on social media and he agreed to meet with me. And at one point during the conversation, I just keep beating him up on it, beating up on it. And you quickly realize he's pushing this bill because his political daddy, Luke Kenley, wants this bill to go forward. Right. It was designed to punish Carmel. It was a Noblesville de- bill designed to punish Carmel. And other communities were going to get hurt in the process. But Luke Kenley gave two craps about Luke that. Luke Kenley was the former budget director of the state Senate. And he was a very powerful man in the state. And Pete Miller wanted to be in leadership. He wanted to move up. So he was going to do – Luke Kenley had tried to pass this bill. It related to TIFFs for several years. It never got voted on or never got voted forward because people realized this is an anti-Carmel bill by a Noblesville guy. Right. So he found found somebody who was willing to raise their hand and say, I'll take your bill. So we naively are like, oh, man, this is harmful. This guy just doesn't know it. We'll, we'll talk to him. It'll be great. We'll figure right. it out. I went and finally met with Pete, and I'm beating him up and beating him up and trying to go, look, here's the evidence of this. Please don't put this bill forward. We can work with you if you want to make these changes. We'll come up with a bill that works for everybody that doesn't harm the communities. And finally he looks at me, and he's got these bills all around his cubicle. I guess Mm -hmm. he wasn't powerful enough to have an office. He had a a cube. (laughs) And he's got these bills, and they're reams of paper, right? These bills are long things. And we're in the final week or two of session. And he goes, you see all these bills I got to get through? And and I naively looked back at him and go, and I said, yeah, how are you going to read all those? (laughs) And Chris, there was dead silence. And I looked right at him, and after about, you know, four or five seconds of awkward silence, and I said, oh, I get it. That's the gig you don't read the bills. That's why we have the crap we have because nobody reads the bills. Right. And it was at that point I just said, look, I I, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. These guys don't read this stuff. They don't care about the actual laws they're passing. Exactly. Right. And so we have a lot of people in the state who naively come out and go, well, we're a Republican state. I'm a Republican. I'm for low taxes. Well, well, but your Indiana Republican Party is not for low taxes. Right. They're not for limited government. They are for crony capitalism. Bob Grant is the Scrooge McDuck of Indiana politics. He sleeps on a pile of money. And people like Eric Holcomb are his dream candidate because they will push his bullcrap forward. So Bob Grand is the he- was was the head. I think he's still a partner in the Barnes and Thornburg Law Firm. About a block from here, they have this fifteen-story building. And, he's doing very well, and they've they've had uh, they've been a center of power for a long time, along with the other two or three law firms that are very powerful. And what Bob Grand, what I have heard Bob Grand is doing right now is sitting in Washington, D.C., and if you want to have a meeting with the vice president, uh, Bob Grand is like, like he he was the the boss tweet of Indiana politics for a long time, I guess. It, it, to, to translate it to people who don't understand, like this guy was very powerful because he was the head of the law firm that did all of the work for cities, for towns, for bond issuance, for corporations, for big companies like the Eli Lillies of the world. I don't know if they're a client, but just to give you an example of a, of a big company here. And so here's a guy who has a huge Rolodex. And so if you want to get something done, then you hire this law firm and then you get it done. So what Bob Grand, he, he, he has now passed the reins off to a new managing partner. His name is Ryan. Ryan's also the head of the city council in Indianapolis. <laughs> uh, and so... And so Bob is now sitting in Washington, D.C., and he is collecting checks. You call up Bob Grand 
and you say, let's have dinner, Bob. And he says, okay, that will be $50,000. <laughs> you you all know why you're paying him $50,000, and it's to pitch him at dinner your idea or your project or this thing in hopes that he will mention it to the vice president and get you a meeting with the vice president. And and And, and- – I'm sort of like a unicorn in all this, right? Because I got invited into the club because people thought I was a member of the club. Right. But it's almost like a cult, like where you I'm the one who quickly realized, oh, this isn't what it was sold to me as. And I don't need this. So many, you know, this so many people get into politics and they need it. Like that becomes right. it becomes they are obsessed with it. They live it. They 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 are judged based on if they are in an elected office or an appointed board or commission or whatever. I never needed that. I never wanted it. So when I got out, I learned enough while I was in it. I knew where all the bodies were buried. Right. And and having served in elected office, it, those people they don't mean anything to me. Right. Like right. like if Bob Grand or whoever doesn't like me, I'm sure the list is long. I care. I don't care whether you like me, but I care what. Because you're a smart, articulate person. Right. Can I educate you on an issue to motivate you to change? Right. If you're an open-minded person, whether it's referendums or medical marijuana or whatever, can I motivate you to see what the government is allowing special interests to do to you, and can I motivate you to change? Yeah. No, I, I came about 10 years before you in the same way. I, I was college Republicans president. You know, God, when, that's so fascinating. When Mitch McDaniels was running for governor for the first time in 04 and George H.W. Bush was running. And I was very stupid. I went in to help volunteer for this Andy Horning guy who was running for Congress because I agreed with his ideas. But what I didn't know is that the gubernatorial campaign was ripping up his yard signs in Center Township to prevent him <laughs> from actually succeeding. You know, the the campaign looked at me, the woman that we met with said, why are you doing this? And she goes, well, David McIntosh in 2000 lost because Center Township was motivated against an active candidate against Julia Carson, the Democrat, <laughs> in that congressional race. And so that congressional race lost the governor governorship for David McIntosh, who, by the way, is best friends with Grover Norquist and Ralph Reed. They're very big in forming the 80s coalition that, that brought around, around the uh, Reagan uh, myths in a lot of ways. Um, so they were actively as a campaign going around and tearing up a fellow party member's yard signs and throwing them in the trash, which was illegal, but they didn't care. What, what, who's going to enforce the laws against them? And by the way, one of the worst things you can do in the world, and I, and I mean this with every fiber of my being, is touch someone's yard sign. Yeah. I literally think that is one of the worst things you could do, whether you're a Republican, Democrat, you're in a primary, whatever. If you touch people's yard signs, you deserve a spot in hell. You're destroying their property exactly. and you're destroying their ability to have a right exactly. to free speech. Yeah, I- exactly. Yeah. You know, I loved to drive. I love to drive around and see yard signs because it's people being involved in the process. And for so many candidates, especially on a local level, if you destroy one of their signs, they may not have a replacement. Right. You know, I mean, if you're running for school board and you raise a hundred bucks, right, you may not have to buy a replacement. fifty signs. Exactly. Yeah, and so I came ten years before you, and I, I just got the vibe that I was going to have to spend the next twenty five years kissing old white man ass <laughs> to try and get ahead to get to have any kind of voice, and for what end? To just be another part of the, of the club? Right. It is. It's 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 a club. It's a big club, and regular people are not invited unless they have money. Or unless they are willing to uh, just basically, you you don't have to have money, but you have to do what the money says Yep. if you're in one of the two major parties. And so when people come over and they say, oh, you guys are no different, it's not true. If you want to be part of the Libertarian Party establishment, just show up for five years. 
you'll be you'll be chairman. <laughs> like it's you know it's different. Uh, well, will the Libertarian Party become corrupt? Absolutely, because human beings are corruptible. But you can get involved and prevent that from happening. But yeah, the I, I my final stop. I I was very much like you. Uh, in two thousand and three, I got elected to serve as a delegate. I was nine out of eleven. Uh, you know, to God, go the idea of you doing anything Republican. Is oh yeah, well, I was just I I was all in, man. I listened to the Clinton removal uh, in <laughs> you know when the Senate was voting. I skipped a movie with my family to sit in the freezing car in February of '99 to listen to the to the results because I thought, oh, he's going to go. Little did I know the conclusion had been written months ago. Right, but yeah, the um, you know. In 2003, I went to the convention and I thought, wow, I'm an elected delegate. The people of my my precinct or my county elected me to go and do this thing. And so I'm going to get to vote on stuff. I didn't get to vote on anything. I got to pay $75 to the party to show up and then get asked for more money. Yeah. And being a delegate didn't mean anything. You didn't get to select anything. Uh, then in two, that was 2004. And then that was the same year that, uh, then later that year I would find my party stealing my candidates yard signs. And I was like, wait a minute, that's not how any of this is supposed to work. Fast forward to 2007. I'm, I'm, you know, a reporter with Abdul and I'm walking out of this meeting, uh, this big thing, the democratic mayor was supposed to win going away. Peterson. Peterson. Yeah. Ballard ended up defeating him in this upset victory that was amazing. And he gave this little speech, and I'm walking out with a news reporter from Fox 59, and she says, I, I asked her, so how much of the challenger's speech are you going to use? And she goes, we're not going to use any of it. He, my editors have decided that because he hasn't bought any advertising on Fox, <laughs> we're not going to give him free advertising. And I just thought, that's not how any of this is supposed to work. And then I went to the convention, uh, uh, the the 08 convention, four years later. I'm like, well, maybe they've reformed themselves. And 325 Ron Paul delegates get removed from the convention, violating their rules, yep. violating the law. You know, this woman came up to me weeping, going, you guys have to tell this story. They just kicked 300 of us out. You know, at the time we thought it may be 1,000, yeah. but it, uh, I found out it was about 325. That happened all over the nation. And I just- Because they're afraid. I just thought, this is all rigged. This is this is all rigged. If you're a regular person from a blue collar family like I am, like it, this this is just not. I'm not I'm not going to get ahead unless I form a third party. And then you become a third party person, and you go, wow, uh, straight ticket voting, yeah. gerrymandering. Sure. At a certain point, you go enough, and it goes back to that question of, all right, so now you have the free speech tools. You have Twitter. You have Facebook. You can finally bring bring the system down by speaking freely about this stuff and then they start removing you from the platform yep. and i think at a certain point what, what at what point do americans just go we've had enough we're gonna really get control of this thing i think donald part donald trump played a part in that but obviously he's not the answer no and and that's the thing right and the part of the problem becomes like you take the republicans this year in indiana and look at their primary you had three choices there was bad worse and worsest right i mean you had three guys who I literally, and I've never done this, no joke, I waited until 5.55 to vote on election day. Because I could, I just, every time I'd want to go, I just, I, I can't vote for any of these people. Right. And you got to vote for one of them, right? I mean, you got to, you gotta, I mean, or you leave it blank, but then what's the point? Right. And and 
ultimately, I voted for Luke Messer because I found him the least appalling of the, of the three. <laughs> right. But I wasn't happy to vote for him. Sure. I wasn't like, oh, my God, I get to go vote for Luke Messer. I can think of three times in my life I've been excited to vote, and I vote every year. I'm sorry, four times. One was voting for myself for right. town council. Two was voting against the referendum in Brownsburg. Three was voting for Ron Paul in 2012. And four was Donald Trump. Yeah. And and that's and that's it. I mean, I, I don't just it. You look at the three options, and that's why I was so disappointed in Todd Rakita because he was a really good Secretary of State. He was really good to the Libertarians. Yeah, he was great. I he, mean, I, I found Rakita to be somebody who there are very few politicians in the state that have reached out to the Libertarians. Who have said this is a block of voters that have an opinion that matters that I I want to understand why these people wouldn't be in our party. Jim Banks, who's now a congressman, is one of those people. Eric Holcomb, your enemy, is one of those people. <laughs> and Todd Rakita was one of those people. He's very mean um, to me in private. I hope we can get into that. By the way, he's very mean to me in private. <laughs> yes, but but Rakita, that's the thing. When the election started, you know this. I was a big Rakita fan. I right. said, hey, it's great. But he he doesn't run on what he did. Because right. he was even an okay congressman. Not great, but he was okay. He was a great secretary of state. We could talk about voter reform, about gerrymandering, about all these things he worked on. He, he gave up the ability to run for Senate he, he because he, he, yes. he, he said in 2009, 2010, we need to redraw the maps with AI. But the first thing he's and they doing said, F you. <laughs> out of the gate is he's being a clown and he's criticizing people who voted in the 08 primary, trying to act like if you voted in the 08 Democrat primary that you're some sort of socialist or awful person, which – Tens of thousands of Republicans voted right. in that primary, and he knows why, and that's disingenuous. And then for him to come out and criticize Mike Braun, who voted for Democrat in a Democrat primary most of his life when there was no one else to vote for, he knows why he did it, disingenuous. And then he's following people around an Obama and Clinton mask when they're going to turn their signatures in. And you know, Chris, that that day you turn your signatures in. That's a hell of a day for you. Mm -hmm. You've made a huge accomplishment to get, unless you're Todd Young and you only got to get 497. Yeah, let, let's mention that. So here in Indiana, in every congressional district, you have to get, and there's what, nine? You have to get 500 signatures. Not just 500, you really have to get like 1,500 yeah. because you're going to, people sign Daffy Duck or whatever. Yep. And so Todd Young, who is the now senator, mm -hmm. only got 497 in one of those districts. But because his attorney was David Brooks. Who works for? who, who is Well, yeah, and it, <laughs> more importantly, his wife is a congresswoman. Right. And he had a dude on the election board who was a donor for his. They just said, oh, that doesn't matter. Yeah. Bob Grant made a phone call yep. and made it happen. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and so that day when you turn in your, your signatures, because I've done that when I worked for Marlon Stutzman, to go get those signatures in the cold, in the ice, in the snow. Not right. to, that's a celebration of you. That's your day. That's your family's day. That's your campaign's day. Yeah. And for him to follow Luke Messer around in a milk carton costume or have a guy following him around in a milk carton costume and following Mike Braun around in Obama and Clinton, it's so damn disrespectful. And he was better than that. But he's not. But – isn't that something that you do? Like no! you, you uh, but I get the five. Like you and I are very similar. We're very weird creatures because there's part of us that really does deeply respect the process, deeply respect the norms, but then at the same time, f all that. Let's have some fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there is that weird uh, dichotomy. It depends. Like this morning, I was like ready to. Like, uh, you know what? We are libertarians. I, I can't do this anymore. It's going to wreck my life. And then by noon, I'm like, I've got a plan to take over the entire libertarian yeah. movement. Well, yeah. but, 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 but if I had Todd Rakita's voting record, I'd have won 60% of the vote in that primary. Because he had the voting record and the ability to talk to people and say, I'm for you. Right. I'm for you. And here's how I'm going to be for you, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, libertarian, whatever. I have a tracker to being for you. Instead, he chose to act like a clown.
Yeah, and that's disappointing. So you're you're mad not uh, so much about the masks, but just that he chose the wrong strategy. The whole thing, the demeaning the people that voted. And by the way, he had this guy Nathan Brand as a communications dude, who is the worst communications dude right. ever. And it it's just very disappointing to see someone who you want to believe in, who you know personally, because Rakita and I were buddies until this. Right. But it's like I'm not going to not be your I'm not going to be your buddy, not say what I think because I'm your buddy. Right. Like that doesn't. What that that that's not my job. Yeah, I criticized him because he wanted to disrespect the Indiana Debate Commission. Yes, which is incredibly important to the. Uh, to, <laughs> I won't mention that. Uh, <laughs> Rob didn't get invited to the Christmas party, so he went. I and stole, stole all the beers at the Emma's <laughs> Christmas party. <laughs> he didn't get invited, so he snuck down. He works here, and he didn't. Hey, get I'm invited. on the company email. <laughs> that's an invite to me. <laughs> So uh, he just been sitting here drinking beers the whole afternoon. Thirty-seven Miller Lights later, I told Jeff Smollett, "Hey, I'm Rob Kendall. Why don't you let me buy you a beer sometime?" I bought all these beers. <laughs> Did you really? No, I'm just kidding. Right, okay. Uh, but yeah, back to that. I mean, you know, I was sitting here having this conversation with myself. Uh, so let's get back to the question of where do we see this going? Because I think for me. Um, you know, I, this has been for seven years. My, I mean, this is just like we are libertarians to me is my life. Like it's my friends, and you know, I have a great job. I love doing that. I have a lot of friends, but a lot of my social circle and intellectual stimulation comes from this. I love the people that I have built a community with. Um, I really enjoy doing this, but at the same time, you look at what's happening in the trends, and you go. This is a really scary time to to be in the media business, in the political media business, because if I'm going to rely on this as my income, there's a very real chance that one day I wake up and that's all gone. And everything that you've built, everything that you've worked for, and it sounds dramatic, but it's not. When when you start taking people's, like, the idea that you would go after somebody's credit card processing. Yeah. Is not something You're that about Alex Jones, uh, Alex Alex Jones, Gavin McInnes, yeah. Milo just got kicked yeah. off of Patreon. Like these are people who fundamentally, you and I are different broadcasters than these two. But do you really think that the people who are going after them, the move ons, the mm-hmm. media matters, do you really think that they'd have the same respect for you and I? Of course not. And it's interesting because um, the character I play on the radio loves Alex Jones, right? And is a Jones basically sycophant, right? And and. I don't really. I think Alex Jones is a weird, demented human being who has right. serious issues that he needs help with, but he has the right to say what he says. Yeah. And if people want to pay for his service, it's no different than prostitution. If you're willing to pay for it through a private transaction, and you like Alex Jones, and you want to eat that stuff up, and you want to believe it, as long as you don't harm anyone, that's your right. Yeah. And it's his right to sell. It's no different than the, the you know. I mean, there have been people who have sold crap all throughout history. They've sold literal crap all throughout history. The Pet Rock, you know, the Chia Pet. Right. You know, those people are allowed to make money. Alex Jones isn't harming anyone. Yeah. He is He is a nut. He is insane. But he is not harming anyone. And he has the right to earn a living. I agree with everything you just said. And I do listen to him. I listened to his show yesterday with Gavin McInnes because I wanted to see if he might say something about McInnes being kicked off of CRTV. He didn't. Um, probably contractual, but you know Jones was just losing his mind. But at one point he said, you know, hey, we got to get serious here. I have to sell everything in my warehouse by the end of the year because I don't know if I'm going to be able to f- operate a store. Yeah, and it's because people have gone after the people that make his products and threatened those people. Yep. And so we're we're at a space right now where if you have an opinion that isn't, um, not even left, 
Like if you're just if there are a group of bullies out yep. there who are on the far left um, who will just silence you. And 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 so I so I was sitting here talking this over with everybody in We Are Libertarians earlier, and I think the only way to really get past that is a you have to have that mentality of Winston Churchill. Like when you're when your back is up against it, like Churchill is sitting here going, yeah. Well, we're effed. Like the Nazis are just coming across the channel; they're going to take us. Yeah. Instead, the guy stands up and he says, "We're going to fight him on the beaches. We're going to fight him in the air. We're going to fight him on the land. We'll fight him at sea." And I think libertarians, conservatives, anybody on the right, moderate Democrats, we all have to have the attitude of we're going to fight them wherever. Like you stay on social media as long as you possibly can, and if you get removed, you get removed. And then- I'll tell you what's heartbreaking. You made a post a couple weeks ago. And, you know, we fake fight a lot right, on yeah. social media, right. and it's really funny. And and we've only had one real fight, I think, throughout yeah, the course of right. time. But uh, you made a post about, I may not be here in a year. Yeah. And and, and I know you weren't talking re- reality. You'll be a living human being. I'll be being. a living human being, yeah. But I, I told someone close to me, I said, it's almost like someone has been just, uh, Chris Spangle's been announced with cancer. Like his social media, Chris Spangle, has been announced with cancer for doing nothing wrong other than having a political opinion. And I said, when I'm reading this, like part of me even got a little emotional about it, realizing, yeah, you know what? That's your life and your love, and they'll shut it down. I I love doing We Are Libertarians. I have – I am not a rich person. We Are Libertarians pays for itself. I can attest. You've come to your door naked many times (laughs) and I've knocked on it. Can't even – yeah. And it is. It's, it's it's as an independent broadcaster with a center right libertarian opinion. Facebook doesn't want me on their platform. Uh, somebody who posts memes who makes fun of Democrats, they don't want me on their platform. They don't want us there. Yeah. And that is uh, disheartening because I have spent so much of my career building my brand on the back of these free speech platforms, expecting that. These guys are Section 230. They're just utilities. Mm-hmm. They're all about free speech. Uh, you know, the Arab Spring, what a great thing this is, that they're encouraging democracy. Like, it, to me, it was it was such a... Uh, it, it is a heartbreaking thing for me just because I believed that these companies actually were, like, a tool that we could use to rise above. But they really are just now... We're realizing they're just part of the system that we have to fight. So how do you fight that? And and, and that's a great point because I'm so torn on this because Facebook, the two most important thing, three, I guess, that I've done in my life, getting elected to town council and Donald Trump interview being, you know, one and two are all because of Facebook. The yeah. connections you made because of Facebook. No, Facebook, it doesn't happen. But now you realize Facebook is not a good guy in the process. They were. Yeah. They were a good guy in the process. But now it's like, man. You can't trust them. No. And so here's what, what I've come down to. I think it is important for us to take a page from both eras of, of political growth, pre-internet and post-internet. And I think we keep our positions. We stay on these platforms. We keep trying to use them while we can because they are very effective. But we also, in the meantime, need to start building physical networks again. And I, you know, we're going to really start pushing the we, the Liberty and Chill thing, you know, get together once a week, Friday nights, hang out at a place, get to know libertarians or just anybody who believes, you know, Glenn Beck's really on this, like, I'm anti-addict. He's, he wrote a book called Addicted to Outrage. It's really well written. It's really got a lot of great points about how people are addicted to outrage, like they're addicted to alcohol. And he's like, um, you know. We we have to we have to start talking to people. We have to start actually meeting people face to face, and I think that's sort of what we have to do. We have to start meeting each other 
face to face because all the, all of the drama of social media goes away when you're standing in front of somebody. Yeah. You know as well as I do that when you sit behind this microphone, I say to people all the time, I'm like, to my co-host, I know you want to make fun of a Joshua Smith or you want to make fun of this person, but it's going to be really uncomfortable when you actually have to go see them at a convention. Yeah. For you, when you go to the state house and then you run into somebody that you've been beating up on the radio, it's very uncomfortable. Well, for most people. For most people, you're a psychopath. <laughs> but um, so I. But part of that is because, and I, Jim Merritt and I do the state house happenings podcast every week. And right. Merritt, you know, Merritt's Mr. Decorum and he's right. the greatest, greatest, nicest guy that ever lived. And I told him one time, I said, the difference is I sat in a chair where every second and fourth Thursday of the month for four years, I allowed people to come up and say whatever they wanted to me twice a meeting. Right. We're the most transparent government in the state of Indiana. Twice a meeting, beginning and end, you come up and say whatever the hell you want in three hours. You got three minutes. Right. You better make it good. I was called a rapist, a Hitler, all sorts of things. Never bothered me. So I don't have a problem saying this stuff to people's faces because I lived it. And right. I let people do it because it was my responsibility as an elected official. Yeah. So I, I want to start getting people together. I want you as a listener um, instead of trying to centralize everything, we are libertarians, which I've always done. I'm what I'm going to do over the break is write a bunch of like how-to guides, put them up, and say here, run with it. Because I'm at a point where we have to start decentralizing our media networks a little bit. And I think like what Jeremiah has done with Boss Hog of Liberty out in Henry County, great show. They are the media there, yeah. <laughs> and we need a we need a bunch of these. We need a bunch of social groups in your town meeting uh, new libertarians. Join the local Libertarian Party. Even if you're not that excited about running for office or not that excited about the Libertarian Party, use the Libertarian Party as a social tool to meet other Libertarians in your area. Uh, and we have to start building physical networks of people where you actually know each other face-to-face -face like the other two parties have done and stop relying on social yep. media. And, you know, maybe there'll be even something from We Are Libertarians that's printed, yeah. a printed newsletter. You know, sign up for our email newsletter and give your address. I think we have to start using this as a time of preparation instead of sitting here going, instead of giving up yeah. and saying, wow, even the social networks are part of this network of people that we have to fight instead of, you know, we can never defeat the Republicans because of gerrymandering. We can never defeat these people. I think we have to start taking the attitude of that Winston. I've been reading a lot about the founding and it's like at a certain point you have to take that anger and you have to go. Yeah. Enough. You got to turn it into something. Enough. Yeah. You have to turn it into a very healthy movement that understands your rights, that understands first principles, why you want to do what you want to do. But I'm reading a great book right now called Liberty's First Crisis about the Alien and Sedition Acts. These are people who wrote their name on the Constitution and then immediately turned around and violated it yep. because they lost sight of their first principles and started looking at it in the way that we talked about earlier. These guys just wanted to protect themselves and their position and... It's just human nature, and so. And I think about a guy like a Rodney Banker, who ran for school board. Right. And and he got close. He got really close. He got yeah. third. Local libertarian. It, yeah, local libertarian, vice chair of the state party, but a school board is an independent election. And uh, I had Rodney on WIBC a couple days ago, and and was talking to him about it. He's not that far off from getting elected. Yeah. He's a little bit better run campaign from being elected. Well, now you got a libertarian elected school board. There's one. He had you know? about five more people in his area that he knew that he were willing to volunteer. Boom. Yeah. It's I, not hard. you gotta, you got to get these local people elected. It's yeah. not hard to win a town council race. It's not. Yeah. I think <laughs> instead of trying to think about it in these top-down networks of we need, to get a, we need to get a libertarian TV network, and yeah. that'll solve all of our problems. Right. Like, no. We need to get about, about 15 people in a local town times 
five hundred thousand, yep. <laughs> and that that will really change it from the top uh, down. But all right, well, Rob, we got to wrap up because I'm going to go. Uh, on Abdul show now. Oh, perfect! Uh, double dipping. Yeah, I'm doing Abdul show at four o'clock. <laughs> so, so I'm your sloppy seconds. Y- y- well, no, you're the first. Oh. Yes, you took my uh, well took my radio virginity for the day. All right, so Rob well, no, Abdul, no, I was here first. Yes. Uh, <laughs> all right. So final thoughts. Tell us uh, where we can find you and any other thoughts that you might have. Uh, at Rob M Kendall on Twitter, as always, uh, you're you're I love to hate you and love you at the same time. So it's very it's very gracious of you to have me on. We are, we are libertarians. Uh, one of my favorite things to do. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Rob. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to We Are Libertarians.